Come on, stand to your feet and go ahead and turn to the book of Numbers, chapter number 16. The book of Numbers, chapter 16. And we'll probably be in this particular book, um, you know, pretty much for the duration. Not probably. We will be in this book for the duration. So we'll be referring uh, pretty much... Uh, through the whole chapter of Numbers chapter 16. So if you have your Bibles, uh, obviously you want to kind of keep that handy because we will be uh, parking there uh, probably 95% of the time today. But for uh, introductory purpose, I'm just, uh, purposes, I'm just going to read uh, a couple of verses, uh, verses 1 through 5. When you get there, say amen. Now Korah, the son of Azar, <clears throat> the son of Kotha, and the son of Levi with Dayton and Abram and the sons of Eliab and On the son of Petla, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah. And all his company saying, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Father, for your word. And we thank you, Father, for this time that we have to study. Father, will you please speak to us? Lord, we, we want to be a people that pleases you, Lord. We want to be a people, Lord God, that understands divine order so that, Lord, the blessing can be facilitated through us. So, Father, we know that you don't bless us for the purpose of just our blessing, but you bless us to make us a blessing and to be a blessing to our community at large so that we might advance the cause of Christ. So, Lord, with that in mind, Father, we posture our hearts and minds, and, Father, we're eager to learn and to be equipped today so that we can be transformed forever. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. A couple of weeks ago, actually, we were supposed to had started our alignment series at the beginning of the year. And, of course, you know that it snowed one week, and so we are kind of running a week behind. Uh, but we are in our second installment of our alignment series. And this series really is about getting into formation or position so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. It's very important that we understand the way God's kingdom works. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not just meant to be 
uh, up there, but God expects the church to express his kingdom in the earth. And so there are structures and ways in which God has things. And in order for the kingdom of God to work effectively, and in order for us to be effective, then we must understand that we have to utilize kingdom protocol. So last week, we talked about in our, in our series, as we kicked it off last week, we talked about the power of unity. We took a look uh, at a number of things, but primarily we looked at the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. And we talked about how the, how the church was together. They were on one accord. They fellowshiped. They was in the apostle doctrine. They broke bread together. Um, you know, and we saw how that because they were unified, that not only God blessed them, but they were happy. And the, the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Every goal of any church, any credible church, is always to grow. We always want to be trying to reach new people. We always want to be trying to advance the cause of Christ in the earth. We always want to be trying to get better with that end goal in mind. And so if you love Jesus and you are connected with him, then evangelism and reaching people is very important. So the way that we conduct ourselves in the house of God really is important as it relates to our ability to reach. And so um, uh, today I want to talk about the subject of follow the leader. Um, I want to get Brother Edwin to come. Brother, come on up. I'm going to get Brother Edwin uh, to come on up, uh, come on up, and I'm going to use him a little bit as an illustration. Amen. Y'all come on, give Brother Edwin a hand clap as he come on up. <laughs> Strong brother in Jesus. I'm telling you, just amazing. We just love him so much. But when, when I was a kid, and some of you, uh, I may be kind of telling on myself, but some of you remember this. We used to play this game called Follow the Leader. Anybody remember that? It's a fun game, right? And so the goal with that was that you had to kind of follow wherever the leader went, whatever the leader did. And so, so you kind of, you know, and the hard part was uh, for the person that was following. Now, the easy part was the leader because the leader could just do whatever they want. And the leaders, when I was a kid, I used to do crazy stuff. I used to go in crazy places. I used to try to make it really, really hard because I was trying to shake them, you know. And so I want you to follow me. So you stay with me. So, 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 so a lot of times, see, what happened is when we were a kid, you followed the leader, right? And so whatever the leader went, you went. Whatever the leader did, you did. I mean, you were just, you know, yes, and whatever the leader. And so, so you come over here and... That's that. And Edwin, you got to do that. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. You're going to ruin my... Now turn it around. What does it say? What does it say? Touch if you love the cowboys. (laughs) I got them back. Edwin loved the cowboys. (laughs) I've been waiting. Thank you very much. You're done now. (laughs) But I kept, I kept telling Edwin that I was going to get him back because doing pastor's appreciation uh, uh, service, they really got me pretty good. So that was kind of my get back. Uh, I don't hold grudges in Jesus' name. Amen. So the important thing with that is that it's much more difficult, obviously, to follow. Um, but if you're going to be a great leader in the kingdom of God, if you're going to be used, then you have to be a great follower. Good leaders are good followers. Say that with me. Good leaders are good followers. I know that we all have a natural bent because of sin, uh, because of our, our original father, if you will, Adam, uh, you know, that we have a natural bent toward not 
wanting or not liking for people to tell us what to do. I, I always say this, but I don't need to have you raise your hand, but, but you know, because of, nobody really likes hearing somebody tell them what to do. So naturally, naturally, we, we reject that. And some of us, because we've had some bad experiences even, some of us, we've had a bad, some bad experiences as it relates to authority. Some people were abusive and, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't handle it right. And so because of that experience, you walk around kind of with a chip on your shoulder. You're really, really skeptical of authority. So your whole attitude is, I just want to question authority. And you're really, really skeptical. And I'm not saying it's okay to, to question authority in a healthy way. I'm just talking about this general thing that you see authority as a threat to you. You see, you see, you see good, healthy leadership sometimes in a way that you really shouldn't. Because we got to understand that God has given us authority and leaders for our protection. Now, obviously, we live in a world that is not perfect. But in order for us to achieve what God wants us to do and to be what he wants us to be, then God has established a structure of authority and leadership. And it's important that everybody here understand that principle. Now, this is not something that we're saying because we're, we're simply trying to uh, push an agenda forward. The only agenda that we want to push is God's agenda. We want the church to be healthy. And so if we're going to, and we're talking about, in this particular series, we're talking about alignment. So if we're going to be effective in our ultimate goal, which is to advance the cause of Christ, to grow, to be what God wants us to be, then, then this is one of those things we have to do. We have to learn how to practice the principle of following the leader. And so that's what we're going to be kind of talking about today. And, uh, and so as we move forward, so uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews uh, chapter number 17. Now, I said at the beginning that, that, that really the church is a microcosm. How many know that the kingdom of God is supposed to be the image that people out there see? So the kingdom is supposed to demonstrate what it's like to uh, walk in authority, what it's like to walk in joy, what it's like to walk in peace. The kingdom of God is not just meant, as I said before, it's not just meant to be something that we just kind of pack away until we come to church on Sunday. How many know that the kingdom of God is wherever you go? Everywhere you go is kingdom. You're always in the kingdom. And so when you are, listen, if you come to church and you only utilize kingdom principles when you come to church, you're not getting it. You're missing your blessing. Kingdom principles, we're not in the kingdom of God on Sunday. How many know we're in the kingdom of God all the time? And so how we treat other people, how we relate to other people, and if you bear the name of Jesus, you and I are sending a message. I want you to understand this. And so, and so let's talk a moment about obeying your spiritual leaders, because I said before that all of this begin in the house of God. It all begins right here. How many know that our training for life is in the house of God, is in his word? And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this. It says, obey those who have the rule over you, or a better word would be the leadership over you, and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account, and let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So let's dissect that just a little bit. So he says, obey those. And the writer in Hebrews, I've always believed it's Apostle Paul. We don't know for sure. But the writer in Hebrews says, obey those that God has appointed over you. Now, I want you to understand something, that this is not a, an option, but it's a calling. 
He's not making a suggestion. He's not saying, hey, you can obey your leaders within the church. I mean, your leaders are your pastors, your elders, and those who are in leadership. But we'll talk further about leadership here in a moment. But he says, obey, obey those. It's not an option. And he says, be submissive. Everybody say submissive. Submissive, the reason why you submit is because there are two, a lot of times there are two opposing views. See, if you're in agreement with me, how many know that no, no submission is required, <laughs> right? There's no submission. We're in agreement together. Nobody really needs to submit because we're in agreement. Submission is there because we know that there's going to be disagreement. So there's a, a hierarchy in how we do this. And so the attitude, the, the, the calling here is to have an attitude of obedience, it doesn't mean that you're always going to agree. I was talking with the staff the other day, and I said I've been married to my wife for 25, would be 26 years, and, um, and I, I love her deeply. And, um, you know, we don't agree on everything. But my wife is submissive to my leadership, not because she's inferior, but because she is strong. And that she believes the word of God. She understands order. And so she submits to my leadership. And we don't always agree. That sometimes we have to sit and we have to have conversation. We have to work it out. But the attitude is a submissive attitude. But then it goes a step further. He says that they, these spiritual leaders, they must give an account. Every spiritual leader, every pastor, leader, particularly of a house of God, will give an account for how they treat God's people. And so sometimes, I know we've all seen some of the bad examples, and we've heard of uh, some of the examples we read about them of pastors that are not uh, leaders who are not doing the right thing. I want you to understand today, every pastor leader will give an account to God for how they treat God's people. And, and I don't know about you, but, but that, that is very significant and very, very serious to me. So they must give an account. And the Bible and it says, it goes on further, it says, and let them do it with joy and not grief. Let them do it with joy and not grief. In other words, the writer is saying here uh, in, in Hebrews, uh, make it easy for your leaders. Don't be a pain in the, the you know what. Uh, make it easy for your leaders. Uh, you know, uh, how many know that when a leader is not well, when a leader is overtaxed or when a leader is burned out, how many know the Bible says it's unprofitable for you? It's not a good thing for you. It's not a good thing for any of us because this is the divine order that God had established. Now, you understand that the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. The Bible says, in fact, the word there is confusion. There is demonic activity in every evil work. So one of the reasons why we have authority and we have leaders that God, that God has placed within the context of a church and beyond is to protect against Chaos, confusion, and disorder. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13 says this. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you. In other words, pay attention. And are over you in the Lord and admonish you. How many know the good leaders always correct? It's, can I get an amen on that? Good leaders always instruct. Good leaders. In fact, I would say if a leader is not correcting and instructing, then he's not a good leader. He or she is not a good leader. It says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. How many of you know that God wants us to be at peace among ourselves? 
He says, so recognize them, their hard work, their labor. And then that word esteem means it to, to show respect. It says, show them great respect. You respect the office. You respect the calling and the work that God has assigned for them to do. Furthermore, we must have a culture of submission. In fact, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 21. And it says this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. All right? Submitting to one another. That means to also submit to delegated authority. How many know that within any church life, there are, there's, a, there's authority and then there's that authority delegates authority? In other words, it's God's will that we have a culture whereby we submit one to another. If somebody who's in charge of a ministry, someone that's been delegated of responsibility, how many know that, that in order for a thing to function right, that there needs to be an attitude of submission? And so he calls us. He says, submit to one another. But look at this. He says, do it in the fear of God. That's important. So I submit to one another. I submit to my brother. I submit to my sister. Why? Because I know that God sees it. And how many know God is watching our every move? And so we do it in the fear of God, knowing that God will hold us accountable. And so that is how we do it in church life. Now, Outside the church, these principles are still to continue. For example, Romans 13.1 says, let every soul, everybody say every soul. Hmm. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now, I want you to understand, Paul here is talking about authority that is outside the realm of the church. He's talking about civil authorities, uh, he's talking about governmental authorities, those authority structures that are outside the church. This is the will of God. This is Bible. I know some of us don't like it. I know some of us, we, you know, I know some of us just had some, some real difficulty, for, for example, with the election and really struggling with that. And I, I do understand that. But the Bible calls us, and I want to I call us back to the word of God, because how many know that, you're, that, that it's bigger than what you think? It's bigger than what you see. And you got to remember, you bear the marks of Christ. And so the church needs to be that example of how to do things. Always think of that as you move forward. But he says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Now get that. There's no authority. There's no structure except from God. That means authority inside the church. That means authority outside the church. All right. He said, it's, except it's from God, and the authorities that are, exist are appointed by God. Remember we said earlier that authority and leadership is for our protection. That's how God set it up. So I want you to understand something. So when we resist the system of God, then we are, in essence, resisting God. Now, there's a way to challenge authority that is not right, and I understand that. But our general disposition is that we don't want to buck the system of God. We don't want to buck the kingdom. And, and unfortunately, I see a lot of that happening today, uh, even within the context of the local church. Because remember, God has appointed good authority for our protection. And so as kingdom people, we want to make sure that, that we are exemplifying the character of God as we step out into our communities. 
Now I want to transition a little bit as I kind of laid that foundation. I want to talk a little bit about what happens when we disobey authority or when we have a rebellious attitude. Um, rebellion is something I want you to understand is, uh, and this is a note about rebellion. In First Samuel chapter 15, I want you to listen to this. Uh, verse 23, it says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. For some of you who remember that particular passage, uh, it was talking about Saul. Samuel had given Saul some clear direction that he was supposed to wait before he offered the sacrifices. But uh, Saul decided that he wasn't going to listen to Samuel, the man of God. Uh, Saul said, I'm going to do this anyway. I know what he said, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. And so Samuel came back and he confronted Saul. He said, why'd you do it? And he tells him here that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I want you to get that in your spirit. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, witchcraft has to do with the demonic. If you remember, let me take you back way, way, way back. But if you remember, why was Satan kicked out of heaven primarily? Because of his rebellion. But not only did he rebel, but he took, the Bible says, almost a third of the angels with him in his rebellion. And so in his rebellion, in his disobedience, the Bible says, whoa, 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 he come down onto the earth. So I want you to understand that the spirit of rebellion comes from the enemy. It is demonic in its roots. And we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna show you more as we move forward. And the Bible says in Exodus, it says, now, anybody know what the punishment was for somebody that practiced witchcraft in the Old Testament? Anybody know what the punishment was? Death. They were to die. Anybody that practiced witchcraft in the Old Testament, they practiced witchcraft. The guy, he says, look, kill it right away. It, it has to go. Now, I want you to understand something. So he likened the spirit of rebellion to the same thing. He said, it is like, he said it's, it's witchcraft. In other words, it needs to go. Because of the consequences of rebellion, how many know that the consequences are so grave that, that you, need, you, need to, you need to squash it? And so, so here it brings us to our primary passage. We're just going to look at a couple of things that we can learn because as we are aligned with God and as we want to continue for, uh, further uh, to be the kind of people God wants us to be, we must utilize this principle and understand and guard against the spirit of rebellion. And so we see here that Moses, and this, let me kind of give you a background of this story, as we read here in Numbers chapter 16. But you see that Moses had been called by God to lead the people out of Egypt. Through a series of great miracles, God ultimately brought the people out of Egypt. Uh, a bunch of uh, miracles in Egypt, and then there was the, the parting of the Red Sea. The children of Israel walked on dry land. And so fast forward, so now the children of Israel, they find themselves in the, the, the wilderness on a journey, a prolonged journey. And I really believe it was a prolonged journey because there was a lot of problems with them and a lot of things that God had to work out of them. And so they're on now this journey toward the land of promise. God said, Moses, I want you to bring the people out of Egypt. And then, Moses, I want you to take the people to the promised land. So, so now they find themselves in the wilderness, and the promised land is over here. But before they get there, they got all these trials, all these, this stuff they have to deal with. And so while they are en route, there were some people. Now, I want you to understand. Y'all understand how powerful Moses was. God says there was never a man that spoke to him face to face like Moses. So when God would, when God, God, when God would show stuff to talk to Moses, God would talk to Moses face to face. 
man to man. God would just have a, everybody else had to pray fast and try to, Moses, God just had a, that's how close God was to Moses. Now, so it's the same Moses. I want you to understand something because we can learn some things. And so now they, they are in the wilderness and now they are upset. They're upset because of a couple of things. Things ain't happening the way that they want them to happen. Things are not moving fast enough. They're frustrated because Moses made all these promises. And as far as they're concerned, things are stagnant. Things are not moving. So, so they find themselves in a situation where they're like, we don't see. This, this is not what we're. Has anybody ever been in a situation in the wilderness? You think this is not what I expected. But how many know that God knows and God knew what he was doing that whole time? And so, so here's some things that we can learn. And so what I want you to understand is they decided that they were going to rebel against Moses. They said, basically, here's what they said. I'm paraphrasing. Enough is enough. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. How many know the Bible says that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God? I want you to always remember that. Because sometimes if you're not careful, you'll find yourself fighting. Some of you are in the wilderness because you've been fighting against God and you don't even know it. So you got to be very, very careful because how many know you can't win no fights with God? You lose every time. Is, can I, can I, how, many, how many know he's really undefeated? <laughs> he's undefeated and he will never lose. And so, so there are some things that we can learn, and I want you to understand this regarding the spirit of rebellion. So why am I saying this? So that we can guard against it. So that when we see it, that we separate ourselves so that we can remain healthy. Because how many know that God will never bless a rebellious church? Let me, let me say it again. God will not bless a church that is full of rebellion. And, 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 and look, you can have a, listen, and don't always think just because there's a lot of people that is blessed. Now, we want a lot of people, but how many know that you, a lot of people can create a lot of mess if they walk in rebellion? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I want us to be a healthy body. I want, I want the spirit of God to be able to flow in and out of us. I want our relationships to be vibrant. I want them to be good. I want them to be healthy. And I don't want to do anything that will push away what God is trying to say or communicate to any of us. So here's so be able to learn a couple of things here. So number one, so if you got your pen and pencil, you can write it down. I didn't get these out to dive. I apologize. But number one, the rebellious spirit never liked to, never liked to be alone. Now what what do I mean by that? Look at Numbers chapter sixteen verses one and two. So here it is, Kor, the son of Ezar. I don't read all these names because these names are crazy. Um, and but look at verse two. And they rose up before Moses. All these people, they rose up. Some of the children of Israel, not just them. And then watch this, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. So these weren't just people that were, uh, these were people that had leadership. These were people, men of renown. These were people that had reputation. And so obviously in order for them to get to this point, how, how many know that they didn't just get here, just wake up one day and they was there? There had to have been some grumbling and some complaining along the way. And so finally, all this stuff is happening around Moses. I don't know if Moses knew or not. All Moses knew is they came to him and they basically and they, and they confronted him. And one of the things that you see is that the rebellious attitude or spirit, a lot of times, you ever notice that it always want to find somebody else to partner with? And it's amazing how when Satan failed, he didn't just fall by himself. 
Are y'all, y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's the spirit. I want you to understand that. It's the spirit of rebellion. And so all these guys, they come together. They are upset at Mo- Not because Moses didn't sin. Moses didn't do anything wrong. Same Moses that led them out. But they just didn't like the way things were going. And so they just simply rebelled against him. And they got a whole bunch of them came. Then number two, the rebellious spirit has no problem confronting authority in a disrespectful manner. How many know that that authority should always be respected? Now watch this. It says in in, uh, Numbers chapter 16, verse 3. Now watch. Now watch how they they talk to Moses. Now, I want you to remember the same Moses that did all those miracles. I don't know about you, but that brother, I'm just thinking, if I was out there with Moses and I saw him drop that stick and that whole ocean open up like that, so... I thought, that's that's a bad, I ain't messing with that brother. That brother, he got an anointing I don't even know about. Same Moses now. Now watch this. It says, they gathered together against Moses. Here's what they said to him. Now this is, here's the the spirit and the attitude of this. You take too much upon yourselves. Let me me paraphrase. In other words, words, Moses, who do you think you are? You take too much upon yourself. I mean, after all, Moses, what, what are you doing here? Who told you that you can be in charge? I put my pants on just like you. Mm. Then they go on further. They said, for all the congregation is holy. Every one of them. So in other words, they said to Moses, Moses, we're all called. And in and, and today's vernacular, we would say something like this. Uh, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and I don't need, I don't need no teacher, no man to teach me anything, because I can hear from God myself. Now, people who use that verse, they take it out of context because they have no idea of what they're saying. How many know God never contradicts himself? Y'all understand that. And so they, they, they approach Moses in a very, this is a rebellious spirit. This is how it operates. So they said to Moses, who do you think you are? We are all holy, every one of us. And why do you, I mean, how are you going to exalt yourself against the congregation of the Lord? And then if you go down in chapter 16, um, in verse number 12, then Moses, one time, he called all of them to come up. He said, look, I want to I talk to y'all. You know, they said, they, they said, we ain't coming. They basically said, I mean, how many know it got deep at that point? They basically said, brother, we ain't listening to you. We don't care. We're sick and tired of you. I mean, you have put this on. They failed to realize, how many know, that Moses didn't call himself. Can I say this to you as, as a word of wisdom? If you're going to confront a leader, you better make sure that God didn't call them to be, you better have a lot of, you better be absolutely sure that you're hearing from God. So in this particular situation, watch, they basically uh, confront him in a very disrespectful manner. And, and then they're basically saying, we ain't going to listen to you. Because they didn't understand that it was God that called them. That Moses didn't call himself. How many know that any man or woman that's called by God, they don't call themselves God called them? So you got to always remember that. Unless you got some insider information, and since a lot of us, a lot of us don't know, because I know sometimes we try to determine who got the anointing and who not, be very careful with that because you're not that smart. And I just decided to live my life in such a way that I will honor not only all God's people, all God's spiritual leaders, but I will honor, I will respect leadership any place. I got a boss. Anybody got a boss? I got a boss, and uh, I love him to death, and, and sometimes we disagree about a lot of things, and I said to him, I said to him, I said, I, said, I want you to understand something, sir. I said, I said, 
you know, I'll tell you what I think, particularly if you ask me, but you need to know one thing, sir. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm always going to do what you tell me to do. I'm not talking about issues of sin. So you, what you have here is you have somebody who understands this because I know I'm a kingdom person. And I don't want my blessing to get jacked up at my place of employment because of my attitude. So, again, don't just do it here, but let your life resonate a life of submission and respect of authority. Why? Because God called you to do it. How many of you here love God? All right. All right. So watch this. Number three. So this rebellious spirit, the rebellious spirit doesn't seek to resolve. This is how you'll recognize it. But it wants to take over. It wants to take over. And it's not looking for a peaceful resolution. You can always tell people that are really looking for peace. They want to resolve something. And you can always tell somebody who don't want to resolve anything. They just got, a, they got an end goal. I want to just overthrow the whole thing because I'm mad. I'm mad. It didn't go my way. So the rebellious spirit, how many know the core in this crew when they came to Moses? They didn't come to Moses and say, Brother Moses, um, we just saw some things. And, and, and you know, we really want to try to, try to understand and try to see what you're thinking because we really want to try to try to make this thing work because we're not getting all, you know, but so can you help us? How many know that's not the spirit by which they came? They came and said, Moses, basically, step aside. We're going to take over. And like I said before, you better be very careful with that. And so here, number four, the, rebel- the rebellious spirit oftentimes is blinded by what it wants. It's blinded. These men didn't even recognize, as I said a moment ago, they didn't even recognize. And think about, just for a moment, just think about what God did up to this point. They didn't even realize that because they were so, so drunk with their rebellion that they didn't get it. You know, and I believe there's a lot of houses, there's a lot of marriages. I'm just being honest because we're going to be talking about marriage next week and next, next month. We're going into a marriage series and, you know. But some of our marriages are jacked up because, because we don't understand divine order. Some of our marriages are not doing well because we don't respect the authority. And how the, 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 how many know that the Bible, uh, I don't want to go here, but how many know the Bible says wives submit to your husbands? I know it, boy. And, and, and a, lot of, a lot of wives, they don't, want to, they don't do it. And nowadays, it's popular not to do that. But here's the thing. Every time you, you go outside of this, you, you go, you're inviting problems. You're going to invite, you know, how many know, as I said before, God gave us authority and submission and, as a way to protect us, not to bring us down, but to protect us. And so, so we got to welcome that thing. And so, so we got to be very careful. Number five, the rebellious spirit always <laughs> thinks it knows better than the leader. Always. I never met a rebellious person who didn't think they knew better. <laughs> every one of them, everyone I ever can listen, every one of them I know of, they always, and they will pull you over to the side and tell you that they know better. The problem is they're not called, they're not the leader, but they know better. My thing is if you know better, then why ain't you there? Watch. So it says here in Numbers chapter 16, look at this. In Numbers 16, verses 13 and 14, and here, here's their complaint. They said, now, it's a small thing that you have brought us. Here's with, here's with Korah. Now, Korah is mentioned a lot simply because Korah is kind of the ringleader. Watch this. He said, is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in this wilderness, 
that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into the land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. <laughs> In other words, Moses, you ain't done nothing that you said. You made some promises. Moses, nothing is happening. So Moses we got a better plan. Step aside, Moses. We got it all figured out. But we have decided that you are done. Step aside. We got a better way. We know how this thing is supposed to work. This is what they were saying. They were essentially saying, Moses, you don't have a clue. You don't understand. How do you know that a lot of times, and I've discovered this, and I'll be very, uh, and I've learned a lot over the years as it relates to leadership, but one of the things that I've learned that, that until you walk in, in another person's shoes, you never get the full picture. Most of the time, leaders have the full picture. They don't See, when you are dealing with an issue, oftentimes you come at that issue from your own angle, from the way you see it. But you're not considering the totality. It's like, it's like our command staff. You know, for those who don't know, my, my other job, I'm getting ready to retire. I retire next year in 2018. Come on, give Jesus praise. I'm happy. This is great. I get to spend more time with you. Hallelujah. So, uh, so, so what was I saying? So we have a command structure. And a lot of times, and I hear the guys always, they complain. And, you know, every time there's some movement or every time there's some decisions that got to be made, and one of the things, you know, that, that is often said is, well, they're in the ivory tower. They have no clue or what's happening. They don't know what's going on with the people on the street. Da, 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 da. You know, and a lot of times, and this has been proven to me over and over again, but then when I talk to somebody who is actually in that position and I actually talk to them and understand it from their perspective, my perspective didn't change because I didn't have half the, all the information. A lot of people make decisions and they size people up with half the information. And you'll never be a good leader until you learn how to listen, listen or, 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 or a good follower until you really get all the information, meaning that you understand the whole picture. Because a lot of times leaders have information that you don't. Pastors and elders and leaders, they're, a lot of times they have information that you don't. You're looking at it from one perspective. But how many know that there are some things I believe that divinely that God only shares you know, with leaders in order to bring about what he wants to do. And sometimes, and I understand this, and I'm not saying that all leadership is perfect, because I know some of you are thinking, I'm reading your mind, you're thinking about your situation, you're like, this person is bad. I get all that. But, you know, you're still a kingdom person. And God, unless unless they are asking you to sin, unless they're asking you to jump off the deep end and do something crazy, you're called to be submissive for your protection. And for the reputation of the kingdom. Because you don't want it to be said of you. You're a Christian, love God. Man, that person, you know, somebody walked in your job. What kind of person is Brother John? What kind of person is Brother Sue? Oh, man, they rebellious, but I can't get them to do nothing. I mean, come on. Yeah. If, if somebody were to go to your boss and ask them, what kind of employee are you? What would they say about you? I want you to think about that. Because it represents the kingdom. So we got to be very careful. And so... So, so we all got, a, listen, um, I, I like to say this, but, but, but every one of us have a difference of opinion. If anyone in here was a leader or pastor of a church, first of all, how many of you are called to be a pastor of a church? Let me take my glasses off. 
And I ain't noticed. I didn't say, where's my glasses? I got them. <laughs> but how many of you come? Right? Boy, I, I, I'm not seeing any hands, any hands go up. Whole different, a whole different ballgame. Because all of us, but I guarantee you, if you were, if you were able to walk in a pastor's or leader's shoes for just, for just a month, just take it, it'd be, be, if they just deferred and just said, it's all yours, take it for a month. First of all, every one of you would do it differently. And I would say probably most of it, not all of it, you will fall flat on your face. It will be done within a week. Because, because you have to be called to do this. And, and I like to say as it relates to leadership, that God puts one up and God puts one down. And I, and I have you know, that ain't just in the church. <laughs> oh, come on, church. That ain't just in the church. God, God got a strategic wisdom, a, a strategic plan on why he does what he does. And God doesn't always reveal it to all of us. The children of Israel, in this moment when they were very frustrated, they had legitimate, I would say legitimate reason to be concerned. I mean, when you got babies screaming and crying in your ear and you're hungry and your things ain't happening, I mean, you want to start asking some questions, right? I mean, legitimate. But, but, but it was the way in which they did it. And that's what we got to guard against because everybody, everybody in here, you're all made in the image of God and every one of you are smart in your own right. Every one of you are gifted in your own way. And so by, when we understand authority and we submit, we do it as a sign of strength, not as a sign of weakness. I find that people that are rebellious, that have a rebellious spirit, they're very weak and immature. People with strength. How many know strong women don't have a problem with submitting to their husband's leadership? I say it again. St- listen, strong men, strong women, I'm sorry, don't have a problem submitting to their husband's leadership. They don't have no problem with that. Because it takes strength to submit. It's easy to walk away when things don't go your way. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That's, that's the coward way out. So women are much stronger than you think. All right. And uh, we'll talk more about that in our marriage series. Our marriage series is going to be fun. Matter of fact, you need to start talking about that marriage series because we're going to break that down in the communication format. We're going to have some nice couches out here. We're going to be discussing some things about marriage. It's going to be great. First lady is going to be helping me out. We've got another couple that's going to be helping. It's going to be amazing. So if you're having some struggles in your marriage, make sure you want to be here all the month of February. We're going to sure up our marriages. Amen. Amen. We're going we're to just sow into them and make them healthy. That's all we want to do. We want to bless our church. We want to bless the people of God. Um, what's the number? What's the number? That's number five. Then number six. I said this before, and I, I want to say it again. The, the rebellious spirit of Korah and this man—they didn't realize that God was that Moses was called by God. Um, y'all know in Exodus chapter three that um, that Moses was given this charge by God to go out and do what he did. Um, I want you, I want, this is really important that everybody in this room understand this. Um, God knows what he's doing. Some of you are in some situations right now. Trust God. I don't know what else to tell you. Trust God. Don't trust man. Trust God. A lot of times these situations that crop up reveals what we're really trusting in. And sometimes God will give you an insight into yourself. Can I, I'll be the first one to say, I don't even really know. I think I know myself, 
But I know that there's some things in me, man, if God's grace has left me for two seconds, I'd, I'd be, I don't know about you, I'd be a mess. You know, so I, I'm just realistic like that. I just know. But then lastly, God swallowed up this rebellion. Now look at this in Numbers chapter 16. Let's look at verse number 29. Look at verse 29. Uh, verse 29 down to verse number 33. And here's what Moses says. Look at this. He says, if these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, look at this church, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. In other words, they were fighting against God the whole time. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, he was still talking, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their, look at this church, now swallowed them up, but look what else, with their households and all the men with, everybody say with, with Korah and all their goods. So the, they all, so and, and I'm sorry, so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Wow. Now here's a couple of things we can get from this. Number one, we understand they got swallowed up because they didn't discern that God was in it. They didn't discern that God was in it. They failed to realize that sometimes a part of the delay in terms of what God was doing, in terms of them being frustrated, this was all orchestrated by God. How many know that sometimes God withholds things from us until the appointed time? Because God knows what's best. So how many know that when you sow rebellion, you will reap the consequences of a rebellious spirit? I want you to understand something, that a person that has a rebellious spirit, you're not going to go far. That person will not go far. They'll be destroyed oftentimes by their own trap. They won't be remembered for anything significant. And I want you to understand this. God will eventually bring down a rebellious spirit in everything that's attached to it. Now, it's interesting as you go on and you read this, that God said to Moses, when this thing, the whole thing was happening, Moses had to tell a lot of the people, he said, look, get away from this. Run, get away. Because if you don't move, you're going to get swallowed up too. Here's what I learned from that. When you know that there's a rebellious spirit in operation, get away from it. You know why? Because you're not careful, you get sucked into it and you go down too. And you don't want to be recognized as a person that's known to have a rebellious spirit, particularly as a Christian and a man and woman of God. So I want to talk a moment to those leaders. Thank you, brother. I'm going to talk a moment just to take a couple of minutes for these for the leaders in the house of God because I believe God is raising up leaders in our house. How did Moses respond? You know, back in the day when I was coming as a kid, uh, Brother T might know a little bit about this, but you know, uh, you know, because he grew up in the country. But you know, back in the country, when somebody used to mess around and people was getting you know mad at each other, every night when 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 things kind of reach to a boiling point, you hear somebody say, "I'm gonna go get my 22." I don't, know what they, I, don't know, I don't know what they get now. They get Uzis, but we have to get the little 22s. But, but Moses, how did Moses respond with this rebellious spirit? He, 
the, when Moses first heard, the Bible says in verse in, in Numbers 16, 4, Moses prayed. He fell on his face and he took it to God. That's how you deal with it. You get God involved. Moses didn't look. He didn't get his 22. He didn't try to go get his knife. He didn't say, look, let me go get my posse and I'm going to fight. No, no, Moses took it to God. See, how many know that it's better to trust God than to try to fight your own battles like that? I, I know you. I, I, if God is with me, this is what I always got to ask myself. This is what I tell myself. Son, is God, my wife tell you this, I said, is God, is God with me? If God was with what I, if he's with me, I'll sleep good tonight. All I want to know, it's all you want to know. Moses took it to God. And Moses never tried to justify, number two, he never tried to justify the decisions that he made. He wasn't going to justify with them because they weren't, they weren't asking him. You know, you ever hear somebody ask you something, questions, but they're not asking you because they want to help. They're asking you to get information so they can sabotage what you're doing. So what Moses did, what Moses says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to feed into it. So when you know somebody got that spirit, why sit there? Why try? No. Now, if you genuinely want to explain, you want to know, I've got no problem with that. If you just want to know so you can get the information so that you can flow. But, but a lot of times you got to be discerning that sometimes the rebellious spirit is, is asking questions, not because it really want to help, but, it, but because it want to sabotage you. They're not asking you for the right reason. Discern that. And so when that happens, you don't defend. Listen, when you make your decisions as a leader, you make your decisions and you believe that if you know in your heart you've done the right thing, you, you don't have to justify what you did to nobody. Moses simply said, hey, it's, God's called me to do this. And if you don't like it, then, you know, it's, I'm going to put it back on him. And you know what Moses did? Another thing I like about Moses' leadership Moses still loved the people, even though there was a lot of people that was a part of that rebellion. Because you see in one place, and uh, I don't have time to read it, but you see in one place um, that Moses, the God says, oh, I'll read it. This, this is uh, Numbers uh, 16, verse 20. It says, uh, uh, verse, yeah, verse, verse 20, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from this congregation. Look at this. This is God talking, that I may consume them in a moment. So, so watch this. God now was ready to take all of them. This rebellion, because rebellion, the contagiousness of it, and how it's so destructive. God says, I'm going to wipe the whole thing out. But you know what Moses did? Moses wasn't in it for himself. You can see why God loved Moses so much. Moses fell on his face and said, God, please, please don't do that. God, have mercy on these. Don't do it. That's why, I'm telling you, that's why God talked to Moses face to face. Because Moses had the heart of God. And Moses said, Lord, they, they, I know a lot of them, they, they didn't mean, they didn't know what they were doing. Have mercy on them. And then, and then even after all of that, if you read further, they got mad. Some of them, a lot of them, and they still complained, said, Lord Jesus, Moses, we mad at you because you done killed all the Lord's servants. They still didn't get it. And so God sent the plague. And what did Moses do again? Moses jumped right in there and said, oh, no, God, God, have mercy. Don't do it. See, leaders, let me tell you something. You always love the people. People are not your enemy. The, de the devil is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Satan is your enemy. People are not your enemy. So, so you always love people. And Moses, he never lost sight of the fact. He never lost sight of the fact that it was God's responsibility to take the people to where they needed to go. I'll, I'll speak personally for just a second as, and I'm done, but 
you know, one of the things I constantly tell myself, because, you know, there are always issues, there's always evolving issues at a church and, you know, and in any organization, but particularly the church, because we're the people of God and this is very dear to me. You are very dear to me. And one of the things I say to God and what gives me a level of peace, because there are sometimes, um, and I had to learn this, there used to be times, man, I remember a long time ago, uh, and, uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I first got started and some folks had left and I remember I just cried like a baby, like, oh, God, what am I going to do? Oh, God. But, you know, I learned a long time ago. That wherever God guides, he provides. And that this is not a work that's dependent on my skill and my ability. It never was. <laughs> Moses, as a leader, he never lost sight. He said, this is, this is God's thing. I want you to understand that, whether here or whether outside of here. God is working in your life. God is working in your marriage. If you allow him to do what he, if you do it his way. God is working even on your job. Some of you are not getting promoted because you got a rebellious spirit. And you don't even see it. Because you've separated kingdom life from where you, from, from when you work. And your kingdom, God follows you. How many know your kingdom goes everywhere you are? Moses was a tremendous leader. So on one time, Moses did one dumb thing. He let the people get under his skin, and the Bible said God, Moses couldn't even walk on the promised land. Because Moses, and you would think, Moses, why God didn't let Moses? Come on, God. And Moses went through all that. Said, boy, God said, God was gracious. God said, son, you can look. You can look at it. But you can't do it. You can't put your feet on it. Boy, that seems cruel, didn't it? I mean, after all them years of putting up with all that, I'm going to die. I can't even put my foot on the promised land. God said, no, but I'll let you see it. You can look at it, son. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. So we're going to be a healthy church aligned in 2017. We have to function and understand God's divine order for all of our benefit. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a primary pillar to us moving forward as a people into what God wants us to do. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us. God, you know all of us. You know our hearts, God. You know our minds. You know our thoughts. Father, we thank you that you're working in all of us to will and do of your good pleasure. Father, we thank you for the warnings in your word. We thank you, first of all, for the truth of your word, uh, God. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 